Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University. I am Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Last week, we went through some NFC projected win totals for the upcoming season. So this week, we are going to discuss some AFC projected win totals. As always, I am joined by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. Before we get going, fellas, uh, I'm going to let you know, I'm a little rusty coming off a vacation and like a six-day drinking binge in New Orleans. I'm trying to stay hydrated. I did get home uh, late Monday night, so I at least got some sleep yesterday, but my body's still trying to get used to normal living again. So if I'm terrible today, I'm blaming it on all of that. Were you hanging out with your boy Honey Badger? No. I, we did joke around about running into him, but uh, we did not see Honey Badger in New Orleans, unfortunately. What's uh, the best New Orleans story you have that you can tell on air? Uh, there's a lot of good ones. Um, New Orleans is just a crazy town. Um, there's a lot of fun things to do in New Orleans, and we had a really good time. But we did take a swamp tour, and that was insane. I, I've never been in like a real swamp like that where everything can just be driven over. Like Even the spots that look like land, like, oh, no, we can just go right over those things, even if you feel like you're going to go flying because you're in an airboat that does not have seatbelts and it just does not feel safe at all. But the, uh, the boat drivers are just absolutely insane. Like that, that way of life is not for me, but I imagine that it's really fun because they're just out here. They don't care about the gators at all. They're just like, no, come up on the boat. Let's pet the gators. Let's hang out. And I'm just like, no, get that thing away from me. I don't want anything to do with that. We had our boat driver. We got to a point in the swamp where there's probably 15 like big gators and he's just chucking raw chicken legs and marshmallows out into the water having them come right up to the boat and like put their snouts like up on the boat lip and stuff like that (laughs) and then out of nowhere he just goes oh yeah check this out and just walk back behind where he like controls the boat reaches under the seat and pulls out like a like a two and a half foot gator, like just from underneath his seat. Like it's a little one, but he just pulls it out from underneath the seat. And then the ladies that we were on the boat with that we didn't know started freaking out. And we were just like, what is happening right now? And he just goes, oh, yeah, I just caught this this morning. I just put it back here in case we don't see any big ones in the water. <laughs> so, and so he's trying to let everybody hold the gator. I actually did hold it for a second. I, I But I was just like, I held it. And then I was just like, pass it off to somebody else. So I was like, okay, that's all. That's all I needed. I got, got the picture, said, said I held a gator. I'm good. I don't ever need to do that again for the rest of my life. Just a mini gator hanging out, just chilling on the boat yeah. with you guys. Yeah, he story, was just man. under his seat the whole time, apparently. 
those those swamp tours are fun. Like I've been to New Orleans too. I would highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not going near a gator. <laughs> I used to live with a uh, uh, big ass uh, constrictor snake. One of my roommates had it, and it went missing one day, and we were, we had no idea where it went. And her whole thing was just like, "Please don't like kill it if you find it in your sleep." And I was like, "You, I can't make these promises. Like if if a giant snake wakes me up, like it's gone." So no, I could deal with the snakes. Snakes kind of feel weird; they're a little plushier than you think. A gator, I'm out. I'm out on the gator. Yeah, it was just the little one. There was people trying to pet the big ones, and I was like, "No, I'm not messing with that." Like, no, no I, I've seen Lake Placid. I get, get me. <laughs> I'm not playing around with this. But yes, if you've never been to New Orleans, I highly recommend it. It, it was a fantastic time. But uh, I'm still trying to get used to normal life again. But we got these AFC win totals that we want to get into. So we'll begin with the AFC East and uh, a team that we've talked about a a ton here, a team that I think is going to be the best in the NFL. I think the number one contender in the AFC next season, the Buffalo bills, they have the highest win total in the AFC set at 11 and a half. And I just don't disagree with it for the reasons that I just mentioned. Like I, I think they have the best top to bottom roster in the AFC We saw how close they were last year, like 13 seconds away. And I think if they make that AFC title game, they beat the Cincinnati Bengals and go on to the Super Bowl. And maybe we're talking about a different Super Bowl champion. Like, I think the Buffalo Bills are that good. So I don't have any issues with that 11 and a half win win total. This is a Bills Mafia podcast, right? Like we've been hyping the Bills up pretty much for a year and a half. I think um, I think, Steve, you were with me last year when I like I thought that they were going to win it all. I thought they had the best roster. And just think about it, what they did this offseason. They didn't really lose anybody. They added Elam in the draft, who I thought is one of the better cornerbacks, so he's going to help them. Hopefully they get the same version of Trey White back, you know, whenever he does come back and is healthy. And then, of course, they added Vaughn Miller. So you had three starters to an already elite defense. Um, You assume, and I don't know if it's fair to assume this, but you you would imagine what we saw from Josh Allen. He just continues to improve, continues to get better. With another year, who knows the loss about like Brian Dable, like that, that might be one concern, just, you know, the, the turnover in coaches. But other than that, I don't really have any concerns just because I feel like, you know, Allen has showed and proved to be transcendent enough talent wise to possibly overcome that coaching discrepancy. So we'll see. Uh, Justice, what do you think? Do you think uh, there's any worry about Dable potentially? Maybe, I guess. But I mean, he was a booth coach. So if Ken Dorsey can do the same type of stuff, I don't know. I, f- I feel like that's pretty fair and then leslie frazier i mean he's just gonna hold it down on the defensive side with mcdermott the other thing i will say like if gabriel davis keeps emerging as a wide receiver like there's no way that this is gonna go under right like they're just gonna put up you know video game points and josh allen's gonna force these teams into shootouts that are incapable of beating out josh allen in a shootout so i i like the over here i'm actually pretty surprised that these aren't higher you think you know with an extra game going to uh uh you know a 17 game season instead of 16 game season over the past couple years you would think that that would benefit some of these higher lines right like maybe the bills would be at like even 12 instead of 11 and a half but i i like the over relative to uh the other i mean the next team down is the dolphins at nine like that under under city on that for me what about what about this real quick before we move on to miami um this might sound like a hot take but 
Gabriel Davis will be better for that offense than Cole Beasley. Than all pro Cole Beasley, that is. I mean, Cole Beasley's still looking for work, right? Like, I'm not I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, what we saw from Gabriel Davis last year at the end of the year was insane. Like, <laughs> oh, this is what they need. Yeah, like what, what he did in that playoff game, he was just absolutely unguardable. Like, he, he went absolutely insane. And then... And I am all aboard the uh, James Cook hype train. Like, just I, I think that he's going to be able to add a dimension to that offense to where it's just going to be even better than it was last year. And that seems crazy. Yeah, they need something out of the backfield. They need something just from their backfield in general. And you, you would think if they're going to be the seven on seven team where all they're going to do is pass the ball, why not get a guy who can make plays out of the backfield? So, yeah, that they, I mean, it's a Bills. They're going to be, if, if they're not the one seed, they're probably going to be in the AFC Championship. So next, Justice already mentioned it. Miami, nine? Did they not? Like, they should have dropped two wins just for that two of video alone. So are, um, are we? I can't, I can't figure this out because I feel like we're pretty anti-Miami in general. In, in, or anti-Tua. Not, not Miami. This has nothing to do with Miami, the place, the Dolphins organization necessarily. Um, although, hey, your ownership is uh, in a little bit of hot water. Um, but in like, we think two is going to win nine games. How? In what world? Am I in an echo chamber? I don't, I don't understand. Maybe, just maybe, they're expecting Tyreek Hill to go like that last 13 second play against the Bills. Like, that's going to happen every game where he just catches a drag or catches a slant and takes it 65 yards. Jalen Waddle does the same thing. But on the other side of the ball, like they still have to get stops. Like Brian Flores isn't there anymore. Um, nine is a lot. I, I could see the argument for like seven, but nine is basically them telling us that they're a borderline playoff team with oh. with that offensive line. Like, yeah, sure they signed Teron Armstead, but like, come on, man. There, there are there are plenty of holes in it. And to be to be clear, like I love the additions of like most are like. The, it's clear that they're going to get the ball out of Tua's hands within like 0.5 seconds. And they're just going to rely on the speed that they have. But eventually they're going to face like press coverage and he's going to have to hold on to the ball and make a decision. And will he be able to do that? I know where my money is on that question. So I I think that there is a lot of like misplaced faith in Tua, especially amongst Dolphins fans right now. And I know I'm going to get to a non, uh, you know, coming at me for saying right. that, but like, can Tua just be Alex Smith like when Alex Smith was playing with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and he had like this loaded offense like his final year in Kansas City was the best year of his career where he threw for over 4,000 yards like I, I think that Tua could possibly do that but then you're like well Alex also had Andy Reid like I, I don't know if uh, I I'm ready to say that about Mike McDaniel yet where I'm like well he if he could get a functional quarterback like Alex Smith was, and you just get all these playmakers everywhere and you just put them in good situations, then they can succeed. And they got enough on defense to, to try to stop you or at least make plays. But yeah, I, I just feel like, especially in that conference, nine feels high. And, and if they don't take the huge step, then they got to move on from Tua is basically what it is. So I, I still think nine is just, it's, it's a high win total for a, a team that, I have so many questions about their quarterback as to whether or not he can even be a functional starter. There's way too much faith in Mike McDaniel and Tua Tungvalu in the first year of this offense. And it really does seem like, again, 
the the first move that Mike McDaniel made was signing a fullback. They have two fullbacks on the roster, but they also have, uh, you know, Mike Gusecki playing tight end, starting at tight end for them, and he's functionally a receiver and two speed guys. It, this team isn't built like um, the other. Think of think of like the bodies in with the Rams, with the Packers, with the Niners at receiver. All those guys are like thick, dude. It's it's not like the entire roster is made out of burners or anything. And you need those bigger guys if you're going to run those type of run games. Um, my whole question is like, what does this offense expect to be? Because you bring in a fullback and Mike McDaniel, I'm like, oh, okay, I know where, what direction this is going. And then you get all these, you know, small, fast wide receivers and your tight end is functionally a, wide, a slot receiver. And I'm like, okay, that's a different offense though. It feels like they're building two different ships and i don't know if, if one of them is going to float if that happens a lot of crossers a lot of overs a lot of play action shots um probably a lot of quick RPOs. how many times could you do that again like but, you're, no, you're down not, 10 points I, i'm not biting on the play action when i'm lined right. up on tyreek yeah no i i'm just i am i imagine that's what the thought process is like that's what um they're building toward but have you guys seen their schedule like, we have to talk about that so outside the afc west Ravens, Bengals, Steelers, Browns in November. Not sure what who's going to be the quarterback, but it's in November. Uh, Chargers, 49ers, Packers. Where is this nine wins coming from? Where are these nine wins coming from, man? I'm going to smash that under. Uh, I already and- bet on that Packers game. It's on Christmas. The, the <laughs> Packers are only one-point favorites against oh, the Miami Dolphins. Cannot it, might, it might be Teddy time by then. Yeah. And they're coming off of nine wins last year, but it's like, well, yeah, you had an easy schedule, like where you you started really poor, and then you won a bunch of games in a row, but you were playing a bunch of really bad teams. That's right. not going to be the case this year. Uh, the over feels like such a sucker bet. Yeah, uh, yeah, I just don't have faith, especially in that conference with that schedule. Um, I'm sorry, Dolphins fans. It's just you're you're and they bringing in Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert, even and, and like in that running game, like you're just banking on all of these guys just being fast and athletic. And just saying, well, we're going to get you the ball. It's not going to be far down the field, but hopefully you're just fast enough to run away from all the defenders. Like that's the, the whole, that's the whole structure of their offense is what it feels like. And it's going to be weird watching these wide receivers block for him, right? I mean, that's why the Packers have a guy like an Alan Lazard. That's why, you know, all these guys in San Francisco are big body guys. All the guys in, uh, you know, the Rams are, are 200 pounds plus. Is because if you want to get to the edge and use the speed of your running backs like that, like your your perimeter blocking is basically like the world's smallest offensive line. And now you got Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill asking to do for that just just so that you could get the rock in uh, Mostert's hand. Like I don't know, I I do not have a lot of faith in the way Miami is structured right now. I guess we'll see. But Patriots eight and a half. Where's where are those eight wins coming from? Because if you look at that roster, they're not exactly loaded on either side of the ball. And I, and you know the Patriots always I don't want to say overachieve, but like their defense will be fine. And I think um, I mean Judon was great last year. Who knows what that like? They're going to have to replace arguably one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. That's not going to be easy. And then on the other side of the ball. Is Devontae Parker going to give you – like, what is he going to give you? Is that really what Mac Jones was missing? Um, eight and a half is going to be tough for them too, man. It just feels like that's the that's the Belichick thing, like the Belichick factor. Like, you give them the benefit of the doubt because Bill Belichick always seems to find a way to do it. And, yeah, I agree. The defense is just something you don't really have to worry about. Like, they're going to find a way to make it work 
with who they have there. Uh, it just comes back to the faith you have in what they're trying to build around Mac Jones and kind of like Tua. I'm still not super sold. Like I think Mac Jones was fine as a rookie, but I, I agree. I, I don't think that Devonte Parker was necessarily what they were missing. Like they still need speed, explosive playmakers. And I don't trust Mac Jones, like to be a, a deep down the field kind of quarterback. The one guy I do like is Taekwon, Taekwon Thornton. I know he was a lot of surprise for, or he was a surprise for a lot of people in terms of, you know, going as high as he did, but he has game breaking speed. You could watch it in the big 12. He's outrunning, you know, defensive backs and off coverage um, that, that four, two definitely translates. It'll be interesting to see what that looks like, you know, in, in Foxborough rather, rather than Waco, Texas. Um, but I do think they have a little bit more explosiveness. I don't, I don't hate this, but the the one counterpoint I will say to um, the Patriots at eight and a half, I don't understand why the gap between the Patriots and the Texans are as is as wide as it is because they seem like sim- more similar teams than most people realize. Like I, I don't understand is is there a big difference to you guys between Mac Jones and Davis Mills because they're pretty similar to me at this point in their careers at the very least. So what I was going to bring up was, and I would I would say Mills probably brings a little more to the table just with his like physical attributes, and I think he can move around a little bit better. So I think there's a better chance of Mac Jones being figured out this year, and them just winning more like six or seven games just because of I mean a lot of what you just said and just Steve bringing up their weapons. Like wh- what are they going to get out of Thornton? As far as like on the perimeter, is he going to be their shot guy? Is he going to be their screen guy? Um, most of their receivers have their roles pretty cemented. So, I mean, it just comes back to Mac Jones being able to make the guys around him better. You remember in college, he had to be pretty much a pinpoint accurate quarterback, and he doesn't have those same caliber of receivers in the NFL, which is crazy to say. But, um, yeah, I, I have a hard time seeing them get over I, I think Taekwon, the whole idea there is just like he's going to replace the Nelson Aguilar snaps, right? Like he's just going to be a better version of him at some point. So I kind of get that. I, I don't know. I just don't hate it. I feel like eight and a half, that's about the right range to me. Yeah, I, I think the gap there with Houston, it, it's just the Belichick factor because at least like one thing that we do know about like Belichick Patriots teams is – they're going to go into football games and they're going to try as hard as they can to make as few mistakes as possible. And a lot of the times that winds up being the deciding factor in the NFL and Patriots teams just don't make a ton of mistakes. Like they're always really good at that. And so I think that's where the gap comes from, but talent wise. Yeah. I I don't think that they're that far apart from each other as a team. So I'd probably take the under there, uh, knowing that betting against Bill Belichick is probably a bad bet, but I just don't have a ton of faith in their roster the way it's currently constructed. Uh, The New York Jets, they are at five and a half in the upcoming season. (laughs) How do we feel about the Jets? Like, They're still really young. Uh, Year number two, Robert Sala is a head coach. They've got... uh, a uh, significant, you know, talent infusion from the NFL draft five and a half. I, I feel like they, they could probably get over that. If, if Zach Wilson takes any kind of leap in year number two, it would be tough for him to play worse. So yeah. there is some hope in that sense. Okay. Gary Wilson, Corey Davis, good duo right there. Like for, for any quarterback, you know, 
you have a you have an experienced big body contested catch type receiver. And then like I, I think Corey Davis will be better in year two than he was last year. Garrett Wilson will be a rookie. I, I think Elijah Moore is a lot better than people realize. I think he, if like if he gets the ball and they kind of lean on him in that, like just the way that we were talking about overs and crossers with the Dolphins, like it's the same offense with the Jets essentially. So this it fits exactly where Elijah Moore excels. And then he can make the catches all over the place. And he's good with the ball in his hands, so he can create for himself after the catch. They have a good trio. Um, I, I think Brees Hall is going to be good for them as well. Um, who knows what Michael Carter will be, but I imagine, you know, as a as a pass catching as a pass catching running back, Zach Wilson will just have somebody to lean on out of the backfield. And then I guess the hope on defense would be now Zach Wilson doesn't have to worry about or he doesn't have to worry about scoring 24, 27 points because they're going to be better on that side of the ball. So I, they might muck it up, make games ugly try to win like 17, 10, you know, 20 to 17, that type of thing. But five, I mean, you're still counting on Zach Wilson to win a handful of games. And that for me would be a pass. I, I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't lean either way on this, but um, I, it would be a stay away for me. Just, just knowing who their quarterback is. I, I think I would take the over just because it's just so low. Um, in general, rookie quarterbacks, you should expect zero out of them, right? And there's always that jump in year two. They also added a significant amount of pass catchers in, in their tight end room. Like, they saw Trayvon Wesco still on the roster, and we're like, no, we we, we can't run that back. Like, we're, let's go get Uzama. Let's go draft Jeremy Rutgert. Like, they're going to have they're gonna be able to throw to their tight ends a little bit. Carl Lawson being healthy is interesting. I, I still don't know what the plan is necessarily for Sauce Gardner. Like, I don't know. If they're gonna stick to their, they're basically like zone defense, spot yeah, drop zone stuff. Like he doesn't really move like their guys around. They're if they play one side, and that's what they do. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how all that ma- mashes up. But I mean, last year was kind of the year from hell for the Jets, right? Like, sure. remember Wilson wasn't there for like OTAs or anything like that because there was a contract dispute, and then real early on, you end up losing your left tackle. You have. Once you get to quarterback four in the season, right? That's that's always never a good sign. Like, I feel like you just got to throw last year out. Um, I'm not necessarily like still super certain Zach Wilson is going to be like a you know NFL star quarterback or anything like that. But I'd at least like to give him another run. Yeah, five and a half just seems so low. And yeah, the way everything so low, so low season like. Yeah, the, the injuries and the growing pains. And, and just, Carl Lawson was their one pass rusher in a defense that they have to get after the quarterback with four. And he yeah. blew out he blew out uh, his, I believe, his Achilles in, in uh, joint practice. Like, they just never had a shot. It was dead on arrival the whole year. Yeah, and, and I do agree with you that I, I feel like Elijah Moore is going to be really underrated because he, he had a lot of hype going into his rookie season, but then he was banged up early on and, and it took him a while to actually like get onto the field. But I think he's going to be a really good player. And, and so I, it's just so low. Like I have to assume that if they can stay healthy with all the young talent that they have, and they're such a young team, there's still so much room for growth there. Like I feel like they could get to, to six, seven wins at, at five and a half on the year. Moving on to the AFC North, the defending AFC champion, Cincinnati Bengals. Their number is 10 wins in the upcoming season. I feel like they could get there just because I still think, I think the Bengals, they got even better. And we're talking about a team that went on a Super Bowl run last year. 
and, and they made the improvements where they needed to along the offensive line. They had a solid draft. And so you think like, oh, and we still have really young players and Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, like all those guys can still get better. But 10 wins in the AFC that's so stacked now, it, it is kind of a high number, but I, I still think they've got enough talent to get there. I think this question is more about the rest of the division and how that shakes out. Like what's going to happen at quarterback with the Browns? How many games is Sean Watson going to miss? Um, the Ravens are always good, even if they lose half their roster, apparently. Like as la- that's what happened last year. The Steelers are going to be, you know, they're going to take a step back. They won eight games last year and they're, they're probably not going to be as good this year. So if the Bra- or the Browns, if the Bengals can kind of just do a lot of the same things they did last year, which it worked last year. So why are they, why are they, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, they added some key pieces in the secondary, and that'll that'll help them for sure. That'll help them get off the field, which they could not do last year in key situations. I could see the over here. I would just be Larry, just because it's ten wins, and if if we're not talking about one of those elite teams like the Bills, just betting on a team to to win more than double digits, I I wouldn't. So I wouldn't argue either way. I just wouldn't feel confident going to the window saying, "Hey, I expect the, the Bengals to or the Bengals to win like eleven games." I think you're right. I mean. The Bengals are going to be a better team. Their offensive line is going to be better. Their secondary is going to be better. And staying away from this line isn't an indictment of where they are as a team. It's just like, look at the rest of the AFC. Look at the rest of the AFC North. Like, it's, it's going to be tougher. Um, I, I think you guys nailed it on the head on that one. It's it's just so stacked in the conference. It, it is going to come down to whichever teams just stay the most healthy. Am right, right. Like whichever teams have the least amount of injuries, they're going to have the best shot to, to be near the top of the AFC. So, yeah, it's just it's a high number that, that you can't really feel confident about. But that being said, the Ravens, if they stay healthy at nine and a half wins, like I've, I'm almost pretty confident they're going to get over that number just because, like you mentioned, KP, like they're always a good football team, even last year where they had a historic number of injuries. And they've gotten better. And, you know, there's still some question marks about their pass catchers for Lamar Jackson, but that's not really the way they run their offense. Like their offense runs through his legs and they're going to get J.K. Dobbins back and Gus Edwards back. And those guys are going to be available for their rushing attack. And they just weren't last season. And then if Rashad Bateman does take a step and really becomes a playmaker for them in the passing game, you already know Mark Andrews is a top three tight end in football right now. Like I just think the Ravens are a, a much better football team. And if they stay healthy, they should be near the top of their division. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure on Bateman to kind of take that next step and be the wide receiver one just by default, because that's what they have. I'm interested to see what they get out of Devin Duvernay because he has world-class speed and they kind of used him like that last year. So um, just having more of a role, having more of a defined role, maybe he takes over exactly what Hollywood Brown did. But I mean, a lot, like you said, they're, they're so good and they're always so good. They added Marcus Williams and, you know, on the back end, they have Kyle Hamilton. Um, last year, if you remember, they had, with all those injuries, they were giving up big play after big play. Like, that's not going to happen with those guys in the secondary. So now you're going to have to work for yards against Baltimore. Um, Brock Clay is Campbell back. I, I would bet the over here. I'm not going to lie. And maybe I'm, I'm just bullish on, you know, Harbaugh because I don't think he can do any wrong. Um, I would go over here and I would, I would feel good about it. I definitely lean over here, right? You, you get Kyle Hamilton immediately. You get Tyler Lindenbaum immediately. 
those are two starters for you in in the middle of the offense, middle of the defense. That's going to help you out a ton. I understand the concerns at wide receiver, but like when you take everything into account, like what they lost at wide receiver probably doesn't matter as much as J.K. Dobbins not playing the entire season or having no corners by the by like Marcus Peters back. Yeah, the mid range of the year, like the end of that Miami game, right, where they're legitimately pulling guys off of the bench and like, hey, you're just out there full time now. Like there's no one else that we have left. I, I think this bodes well for Miami or bodes well for uh, Baltimore. We got OI year two, and who knows what they get out of a job, but I think uh, the Penn State dude in year two is going to take a pretty big jump. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the fun thing, too, is like this Ravens team is going to be really weird in terms of like the fullback stuff that they can do. So they have Patrick Ricard, who like everyone knows is, you know, converted defensive lineman, is functionally an offensive lineman in the backfield, right? That's what he is. They also have a draft pick in uh, Ben Mason that they spent a pick on last year, a fifth round pick. And then Daniel Falele, the massive offensive lineman, is a guy who gets into the backfield when he was playing at Minnesota. Like, there's a chance, like, they line up in the backfield, like, goal line stuff under center eye formation. Maryland eye. Split eye. And it's Daniel Falele at like 400 pounds and Patrick Ricard. And you're like, what can we even do? This is just too much man to deal with. And I just remember the conversations we were having last year, early on in the season where they were already loaded up on injuries and Lamar Jackson was just playing in an MVP level uh, before he got hurt too. And and missed games for the first time in his career. And so it's like Lamar Jackson was playing prior to his injury. He was playing like at the highest level we've ever seen. And this is a guy that's already won an MVP. Like, I, I just think the Ravens are going to be so good. I, and I, I hope they stay healthy because I, I think they legitimately can, can be near the top of the AFC if they do manage to stay healthy next season. Uh, the Cleveland Browns already mentioned them a little bit. So they don't even have a win total set yet. Um, and, and it's strictly because of the Deshaun Watson stuff. Um, Deshaun Watson is in all likelihood, I would imagine, going to be suspended by the NFL at some point. We just don't know the number of the games that he's going to be suspended yet. And until we do, they're not going to set a line on the Cleveland Browns because there's obviously a big difference between Deshaun Watson and Jacoby Brissett starting under center. But this is a talented team, very talented roster. If Deshaun Watson does not miss a significant amount of time, I'd have to imagine they're going to be really competitive and they're going to be right there in the AFC North. We'll just have to wait and see how that all shakes out. Yeah, it's tough to talk about it just because like if he gets it could be four, it could be twelve. Like we have no idea where this line lands. And I mean, the more games it is, the easier it is to bet the under because it's just Baker. And like I don't care who they are, I don't care if it's Amari, I don't care if it's like all of the Cowboys receivers. I'm not gonna bet an over on a Baker led team. So um yeah, it's, and it's they could have Baker about. still. <laughs> right. That's terrifying. Yeah, I talked about this with stats on Friday. The the Cleveland Browns only have two national uh, primetime games. You look at their Super Bowl odds, they're tied for sixth um, on, on DraftKings right now. The the next – so, like, for reference, right, the Steelers have one-fourth of a chance to make to win the Super Bowl, as the Browns do, and they still have five primetime games. Like, it, it sticks out like a sore thumb, the fact that Cleveland only has two. Um, Josina Anderson tweeted out today – and said, you know, an NFL source on Trevor Bauer, look at what baseball did. If people don't think that's on people's radar, then public opinion matters. You think the NFL wants to be the organization that says sexual misconduct against women means more to the league than the other? Think about that. Like, I, I think the Trevor Bauer thing, him getting suspended for two years, it it's, it's, doesn't set a precedent for the NFL, but it certainly puts the pressure on him. 
you know, Antonio Brown got what eight games. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Deshaun got eight games. I mean, I know people always point to um, Ben Roethlisberger getting, I believe it was six, and then it got walked back to four. But that was also a kind of a different time at the same time. Not to say any of this, you know, would have been acceptable in, in different eras or anything, but certainly public perception and, and pressure is certainly different. Yeah, I, I would have to imagine that the NFL is going to suspend him for a significant period of time. But the fact of the matter is we just don't know until they actually make a decision on this. So we'll see uh, how, how things wind up playing out for the Cleveland Browns. But you mentioned the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are set at seven and a half. And you know the Steelers, it's going to be Mitch Trubisky or, or Kenny Pickett, but they do still have some talent on this roster. And it feels like they're, you know, the traditional Steelers teams, like, they're going to be a problem. They're going to be an issue every week. Like they're not going to be a walkover team. I just don't have a ton of faith in how many points they're going to be able to score on a weekly basis, whether that's Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, even though their defense should still be really good and be a problem. So I, I think seven and a half might be tough for Pittsburgh to get to this season. Yeah. Well, you're basically betting on history, just like Tomlin going under 500. So I, I don't know if you want to bet against that, but with how you started that, Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> you expect them to, to reach eight. So they, I mean, there's plenty of talent on the roster and yeah, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, like who knows what they get from George Pickens. Um, they had speed Calvin, um, Calvin, Austin, Calvin Austin in the draft. Like, their D line is still there. Mika Fitzpatrick still there down the stretch. Keller Weatherspoon played very good in December for them. So like, if you can repeat that, I think, you nailed it when you said they're they're probably just going to be a nuisance. Like they're going to be a team that you don't really want to play. Uh, they're they're going to take a lot out of you. They're going to be tough to score on, and just a team that might play spoiler late in the season is probably the best way to describe the Steelers. So probably not a playoff team, but at the same time, not a team that you want to see late in the season. I feel so conflicted about this because I feel like Mike Tomlin is the crisis negotiator, right? Like he can slip through anything. You're never going to tank out a season, but like the quarterback situation is just not good. I, I, I understand. I understand doing the Mitchell Trubisky deal the way that they had it, but you do the Mitchell Trubisky deal. So you don't have to draft a Kenny Pickett in the first right. round. Right. Um, and now you're going to have that battle with apparently Mason Rudolph is going to get snaps too. So like, who knows what the development of Pickett looks like when you're splitting snaps three ways plus oh by the way their fourth quarterback is a draft pick they just selected i love the levi wallace signing you know getting stefan to it back is going to be good but the quarterback situation and frankly the offensive line situation still to me is is what's going to hold it back i i'd lean under here but i just don't ever feel good about going under on a mike tomlin team right that's and well then when you think about it it's like well they still got over that last season with Ben Roethlisberger's like zombie body uh, throwing <laughs> three yards from the line of scrimmage. And it's like, okay, well it's Mike Toblet. So yeah, it, it, it's hard to bet against them. I, I just think that, you know, the, the way that division is stacked up right now, like, yeah, they're, they're just going to be a, a nuisance. So I think I'd go under on the seven and a half. I'm betting against Mike Tomlin this upcoming season, but let's take a quick timeout right here. And when we get back, we will run through the AFC South and the AFC West. That's coming up next on NFL University. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. Head into the AFC South. The Titans right now projected nine wins. Curious how you guys feel about this. The AFC South is one of the weaker divisions in football, but the Colts, I think, have improved quite a bit. Titans obviously coming off that number one seed in the AFC not going to be there again, I, I think is safe to assume. But how do you feel about them getting over nine wins? Nine? Yes. For That's this right. team? Yeah. Nine, nine Arena for the for, uh, returning AFC one seed. For the team? Yes. <laughs> you yeah, can't Derek, forget that they were the one seed. Derrick Henry back and we, healthy. They did get Derrick Henry back. Did you guys see the report that uh, I think Traylon Burks was out of breath in camp the other day? Just yeah, they, they had to. They had it ran him in, and then I think they gave him like an inhaler or something. I don't know. So they swapped out AJ Brown, who clearly is a physical specimen, for a guy who ran out of breath in the first rookie mini camp. Okay, let's look at their roster now. So no AJ Brown. Now you have Robert Woods, who I like, but he's, I mean, he's more coming off an injury, though. Right. Also true. Wide receiver three, wide receiver two when healthy. Um, on the other side of the ball, are you, are you confident that their defense will be able to replicate what they were able to do last year? Because they were good for a long stretch, but how much of that was their schedule? Um, a lot of their offense is just going to come down to, is Ryan Tannehill good enough on his own? And I don't think that's true. I don't know where they're going to pull nine wins out. I understand that this is a weak division, but you are, you are putting a lot on, like, as you said, Robert Woods, um, Traylon Burks, just – being able to win one-on-one on the outside against teams that are going to load the box and take away Derrick Henry and put the pressure on Ryan Tannehill, don't see it. I'm going under here, and I don't feel good about that. I feel the same way, and I think just over the years, you know, their offensive line has just lost you get a, kind of piece by piece a little bit. I think for the pass rushers on the defensive side, like Dupree and Landry are good players. They should be getting reps at the NFL level, but they very much – 
come and go. Like they have runs, you know what I mean? So who who knows if what what that roller coaster is going to be, you know, in store for in 2022. There's just so many things here and I think the Titans are one of the teams that are like quietly rebuilding like they're just trying to like get over a couple contracts like they're almost in the same spot as like the Dallas Cowboys in my opinion um just kind of like a a waiting star a little bit and that's just generally how I feel I don't think Tannehill with these receivers can make up for it I understand people love Derrick Henry I love Derrick Henry he's very fun I like watching him just like randomly stiff arm one Jacksonville Jaguar 50 (laughs) yards down the field once a year um but I, I don't really believe that they're going to be able to replicate what they did. I, I don't think their depth is necessarily where it needs to be either. Like they're a team that like three injuries could like completely spiral their season. Right. And I know it's weird because the Titans famously played like 90 guys last year, which is why Vrabel won coach of the year. But I, I just don't see it happening again. Well, and this is a team that's been a perennial playoff team for the last few years now, but it does feel like last season was kind of like, okay, that's the end of that run. Like that's, that's the end of this construct of the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts, who I think have gotten better this off season. They're set at nine and a half. And really like, I- I'm just sitting here thinking about it right now. And it's like, how many games is it going to take to win this division? Like, it- it's not a great division. Like, can you win this division with nine games, 10 games? Like, I, I think you easily can. And so that's really where, that's that's all the Colts really have to do too. Even if you don't have a ton of faith in Matt Ryan, but I still think that Matt Ryan can be better than Carson Wentz was last season. So the Colts finished nine and eight last year. Um, they had a losing record at home. They have finished the season with two losses in a row, and they had Carson Wentz under center. This one's going over, and like Matt Ryan just has to stay healthy for this to go over. I'm pretty like we, we talked about it during the season. I, I think the world of Frank Wright too. And I think this is finally, um, he finally has a quarterback that he can trust. Like Jonathan Taylor is going to be good. We'll see if Mike, Michael Pittman can, you know, take another step. I don't have high expectations for Alec Pierce, but again, I, I just think that, you know, adding Stephon Gilmore is going to be big for them. They actually have a cornerback. Now they don't have to sit back and play cover two all game. Uh, we'll see what Yannick can do. But like these names, like these names weren't here the last year. And these names were like these, this is an influx in talent, what they need. Now DeForest, Bus- uh, DeForest Buckner has a guy on the edge. Now they can't triple team him inside. So that, you know, that's only going to make him better. We'll see what uh, Justice's favorite player, Darius Leonard does now that he has some, you know, more guys up front. So, I mean, I, this is the Colts division. And if they went nine and eight with, it sounds so similar to say, but if they went nine and eight with Car- Carson Wentz, they're probably going to win 10 games with Matt Ryan. I think this team is good. Like, I think they have four tackles. Um, you know, Braden Smith, Bernhard Ryman got drafted in the third round. People talked about him as a potential first round pick, probably slid down a little bit because of his age. Dennis Kelly was solid in Green Bay, and they have him as like a swing tackle. Um, I think their offensive line is solid. They're going to do a lot of weird stuff with their tight ends, right? Like Mo Ali Cox, Jelani Woods. You can just get freak giant athletes on the field and say, hey, I dare you to match up with us. If that's the set with, you know, Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce, that's not a bad, you know, opening set. Plus, you know, out of the backfield, this is not just Jonathan Taylor. I mean, they got Naheen Himes um, and Philip Lindsay coming out of the backfield too. I like it. Like, I, I know people keep, like, sliding it as, like, we'll see if Matt Ryan has something left in the tank. I feel like Matt Ryan's not a bad quarterback. I really don't. And then so, def- Oh, go ahead. No, I was just – sorry. I was just going to say, last year, with Carson Wentz, I, I legitimately thought that this was the second-best team in the AFC. 
um, around like the November, December part of the season. Yeah. And obviously it didn't end up, you know, they kind of crapped the bed on the way out, but like, why would that be any different this time around? And I know there's a ton of change in the AFC West, but they can get to 10. Like, I don't, I don't think there's any um, issue with that. The teams that we always talked about last year in terms of just being solid all around in the AFC were like uh, the Raiders, the Colts and the Bengals, right? Like the other teams in the AFC are like, big time firepower teams, right? Like they they do a couple things really, really, really well. But these teams are pretty well rounded. I mean defensively, you listed off some of their additions, but just top to bottom, Quiddy Pay, DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, Yannick Ngakwe, um, Darius Leonard, uh Stephon Gilmore, Kenny Moore. They drafted Nick Cross, the safety out of Maryland, I was just who a lot say of people that. like speed. They need to yeah, speed. Man. Like that that's a lot of good players. And on the defensive side, like talent is enough sometimes. So I could see them having a solid defense and then, you know, Matt Ryan running the offense. It's not like he has a bunch of stinker seasons. So you get him behind a good offensive line with a solid running back unit, like watch the magic happen. I, I really do like the Colts' odds, not only to go over here, but to win the AFC South in general. Yeah. And I agree with you guys. I think Frank Reich is just a really good head coach and they're, they're going to be well coached. Like that's one thing that you can bank on about the Indianapolis Colts. And now, I'm also crossing my fingers that Paris Campbell will for once stay healthy. Like he's just had such unbelievable injury luck. Like there's first three NFL seasons, 15 games in three years. Yeah. And, and it seems like he could be that speed guy if he, if he stays healthy and they can actually get anything out of him. So I'm crossing my fingers that he can put something together this season and hopefully get a contract out of it. But the Jacksonville Jaguars are set at six wins and I think I'd go under here. Like I know they've been signed. They made a bunch of draft picks. They signed a bunch of free agents. I still have zero faith that Jacksonville is moving in the right direction, even with Doug Peterson as the head coach and you get rid of urban Meyer. Like I'm still just not sold that they're doing the most for Trevor Lawrence and that they've significantly improved despite spending a bunch of cash this off season. Who would they have had to sign this off season for you to take the over? I think is a better question. Because they do this every year, it seems like, right? And it never truly pans out. Like they never get, um, they never get the ba- a bang for their buck. I think is the easiest way to put it. I like it's an easy under for me. We talked about their draft class. I think Chad Mumu will be good for them. Um, Trevor Walker, like he's just going to provide athleticism, much needed athleticism. You're essentially hoping that Trevor Lawrence is transcendent and like he can lift up the talent around him. And you hope that you know. The, um, the receivers make enough plays, but points are going to be tough to come by, man. So uh, I hope it works out, but I, I just have a tough time seeing them string together over what six wins, seven wins. Uh, is Chad Muma going to get on the field? I mean, they they just signed uh, Foye Ulukan, and then they drafted, they traded up to draft Devin Lloyd in the first round. Chad Muma is probably going to be like a dime backer for them, which like. Maybe you're going to be in in dime a decent amount, but like how many third and sixes are, are Jacksonville Jaguars going to get teams into? Seems like Trayvon Walker is going to play like true three four outside linebacker, which I don't know if that's the best spot for him. You look at wide receiver. I mean the the Christian Kirk thing, sure, like plenty of people can point out and say like that that was a bad move, but like giving Zay Jones basically a functionally guaranteed second year is probably not a good idea either. Um, would we be surprised if Evan Ingram, who's in a contract, you know, one-year prove-it deal, is the the, lead, the leading receiver for this team? I wouldn't be. Like, I just, 
I don't see the direction. That's that so terrifying going. to say out loud, <laughs> dude. It's a real possibility. I this know it's still not good. Like I, I, I don't think that they're gonna be first overall pick bad for the third straight year, but like they're gonna be picking in the top ten again. Like when that's the bar for your fun. team. Hey, they're not gonna have the first overall pick. Like what are we doing here? Yeah, they they still scream top five, top ten pick in the NFL draft. Like, and honestly, if I'm the Houston Texans and they're set at four and a half, like, should the Houston Texans be a little offended that Jacksonville is at six and they're at four and a half? I think Probably. so, man. I Probably. think so. At least the team is moving like in somewhat a, a cohesive direction. Like Jacksonville, like they're like, all right, we're going to double up on linebacker. We're going to triple up on linebacker and, and let Bobby Wagner or not Bobby Wagner. Um, the, the UCLA linebacker. Miles Jack. Miles Jack. There we go. We're going to let him walk. Like he's going to start for Pittsburgh this year. So I don't know. I, I don't get it. I just feel like this has bulky slime just all over it. I, I don't trust him as a general manager. I don't think it's moving in the right direction. So, so do we agree that? So the Texans at four and a half. They're going to finish with more wins than the Jags. I'd take that. I think so. I'd take that bet right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would too. Which is weird because you could probably get that at plus money just looking at where the Jags are win wise and where the Texans are win wise. I would take over four and a half for the Texans. So when we talk about these, if we're talking about the Bills, the Bills are going to need everybody's best shot. Nobody's getting up for the Jags game. Nobody's getting up for the Texans game. The Bills lost to the Jags because they're probably, you know, half sleep. They're, the preparation is just different heading into those games. So, yeah, I, I think the Texans could surprise somebody. And you talk about the additions in the offseason. They added two legitimate starters in the secondary who are going to be around for a while. Yeah. And no matter what you think of John Mechie, he's he's like a he's, – he's a guy who a quarterback can rely on. And I feel like that's what Davis Mills needs. And, yeah, they have Brandon Cooks, and I think Brandon Cooks is going to be very good again. And – it would be tough for the Texans to be worse. Let's just say that I, I'm kind of fascinated. You, you brought about, you brought up Davis Mills. I want to see if he takes the next step. And, you know, with, with the sentiment that you don't expect much from rookies, you would think a guy who played as much as he did would just know he figured out what he was able to get away with last season. So we'll see with another weapon, another year under his belt, if he can just take another step forward, but I'm, I'm fascinated to see what he can do. And he wasn't a disaster either. I, I, I kind of think this is a weird comparison because the teams are just built so differently there's not a tj watt like the defensive line is totally different i think the texans offensive line is better but like i think they're in that same range as pittsburgh where it's just like a frisky pesky team the one x factor here is lovey smith right like lovey's talked about you know since the drafting of Derek stingley they're gonna do a lot of stuff differently um i believe it when i see it but like if you're using Stingley to play spot drop zone, I don't think that's the best way for you to win ball games. If you're actually going to use Stingley in the way that you should and you added a guy like Petrie, you know, to play safety or play nickel wherever he's going to line up cuz he can kind of do all that stuff, that that defense might be better than you think. I think I don't think he's going to use Stingley as like a, a cloud type corner. I think he, they're going to they're going to use him how he's supposed to be used and I think that's going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah. I, I like what the Texans have done for the most part. And it feels like they are a little low there at four and a half and Jacksonville's just uh, way above expectation at six wins. Uh, but moving out to the AFC West, this is the toughest division. I, I, I think to try to project the chiefs, of course, at the top 10 and a half wins. And 
you know, a- after their draft class, which I-, I think is solid, like the, you got guys that are going to be able to contribute for you this upcoming season and the moves they make. Obviously, losing Tyreek Hill hurts. You're not going to replace that guy, but it's still Patrick Mahomes. It's still Andy Reid, and it just feels like they're easy 11, 12 wins, and you don't really have to think about it, even in this tough division. I find it hard to believe they're not going to be able to get there. They got one of the best picks in Karloftis, right? I, I, I think in terms of value, Karloftis was great. Um, you know, adding a guy like Leo Chanel. I mean, we talked about, you know, linebacker might be a sneaky need for them as, you know, a potential selection at, you know, when they were sitting at 30-31. They, them grabbing Chanel at, in the third round, I mean, he might be their best linebacker. You know, he, we, we could wake up in August and say, like, this dude is starting on this t- football team right now. I think that helps. Their offensive line is, again, solid. I think wide receiver, it's reshaped, but it probably certainly has more depth, more options for Mahomes if he is going to start doing, you know, more of this progression stuff. It's going to be interesting. I don't I don't think I'm, – I'm just not going to bet a Chiefs, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes team to not win 11 games. Where I'm at is – like how long will it take them to figure out what they want to do on offense? Because it's probably going to be a work in progress the first couple of games, but I mean, it's still Mahomes, And as you said, they still have like a pretty, like an above average offensive line. Like there are players all over that offensive For line sure. and sure. They don't have Tyreek, um, but it's Andy Reid calling the plays, man. You still have Mahomes throwing the ball and on the other side of the ball, um, added two first round picks we're going to start on defense added like justin reed is a huge huge upgraded safety for them he's yeah. not worth like a win but for what he brings to that secondary in the back end well, just, i've seen some sorensen snaps he might be worth a <laughs> <the> win <laughs> um honestly you might not be wrong when, when it comes to just like and even honey badger man I, I think like his name definitely proceeds like who he is as a player by now but uh the greed is by far the, the best addition um, this offseason. So we'll see what they can do. I, I'm Tyreek Hill's really freaking good, man. Like that's just, that's what I keep coming back to. Just and, just bring back the bubble screen. And <laughs> let's get some more bubble screens while we're trying to figure this thing out. Cause they've totally abandoned it. I want the bubble screens back. The the big thing that I can see with the Chiefs is like you mentioned, how long is it going to take? I could see the early season lull. And then them just rocketing, rallying back, getting all the vibes right for the playoffs. Because this is their seven-game stretch before the bye. At the Arizona Cardinals, at home for the Los Angeles Chargers. That's an uh, Amazon video Thursday night football game. At the, at the Indianapolis Colts. At the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday night football. Home for the Raiders on Monday night football. Home for the Bills. And then at San Francisco. Goodness gracious. They have like the hell stretch for the first two months, then a bye. And then it's like that bye. And then it's like, all right, let's rack up some wins before the playoffs and make up some ground. So the scheduling certainly didn't help them for like where their team is specifically at. Under after you said that schedule. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The first eight weeks of the season are just like the worst schedule I've ever seen any team have to open the season with. It's absolutely insane. But I what think, did Mahomes do to the scheduling people? Like, good <laughs> lord, man! Just when you're as good as he is, they're just like, we got, we got to prove ruin, it. We got to ruin <laughs> your life, yeah, prove it. And you know, they did start three and four last season, though, while they were kind of figuring things out. So but that's it, what I'm saying. I could see the same thing happening again, where it's like they're rallying, and then by the end of like you're in the divisional round, and you're like, this feels like the Super Bowl. This team is playing so good. 
And I do think that there could be something to while they're figuring things out on the offense, like they legitimately do run the ball more than they ever really have in the Mahomes era, like with, with Clyde and you bring in Ronald Jones, who is really only an early down running back. Like he, he is just not a pass catching running back. And then they drafted uh, Isaiah Pacheco, who they seem to really like, seems to be a guy who could be an explosive runner for them. So I think they could run the football quite a bit early in the season while they're trying to figure out that offense. But they well, can win nine games and still make the playoffs. Yeah. So I, I'd say under with the caveat that under five, six seed, like by the time January rolls around, you're not going to want to face Patrick freaking Mahomes once he has it all figured out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And taking a look at the Los Angeles Chargers, they are set at 10 games now. And this is the team like, you know, Obviously, the Broncos and the Raiders both gotten much better this offseason, but the Chargers at 10 games and Justin Herbert in the faith that I have in Justin Herbert as a quarterback. And I think there's an argument to be made. It's like Mahomes, Allen, Herbert in whatever order you want to put them in. The Chargers have gotten better, and I like a lot of what they've done to get better this offseason. That that defensive line isn't going to be a straight up liability this upcoming year, the way that it was last season. So that's already like the biggest issue you had as a football team last season, you addressed it and you should be much better this season. I think that's going to help them a lot. They, they've improved the offensive line a little bit and they, they could still, I would still like to see them add some more speed maybe to, to get those, those big plays downfield. But we've seen how incredible Justin Herbert can be like the chargers are the team that I think I'm the most worried about in the AFC West when it comes to, you know, maybe dethroning the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know what to make of most of this division just because there are so many additions. And I, I know that there's a lot of talent. Like, there's no denying that. But despite just because you add talent doesn't mean it's always going to work out right away. So with that in mind, I don't I don't know, man. I ten, Again, tennis, like, that's a lot of wins. And not all of these teams are going to, like, come out of the gates – just hitting on all cylinders. That doesn't happen in football. And it, uh, like, uh, is Derwin James going to stay healthy? Like, is that what we're banking on here? Because there's a lot of evidence that this, that's not going to happen. So why will it happen all of a sudden? Just because they added Khalil? Like, just because they added other players, now Derwin's going to stay healthy? Is he the best safety in the league? Probably. That doesn't change the fact that he has a significant health history, man. I think the addition of Zion Johnson, we talked about this last week, Steve, like that is big for them. Like he, the, he is going to make their offensive line much, much better. My comp for Herbert is Luca. And we've seen what Luca has done in the playoffs. Uh, there's nobody like him. Herbert, there's probably not going to be anybody like him in a couple of years. And he's, he's arguably already the best quarterback. So like you have these outlier players where they're legitimately – top three, top one at their positions. So with that in mind, talent tends to trump all. So like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with anybody picking over 10 games, but in, in this division, knowing the teams that they are going to play, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm thinking, I would say under for the chiefs. And I would say probably push for the chargers realistically. I like the over. I really do. Talk to me. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so these are the concerns, right? For me. Storm Norton is still playing right tackle. He shouldn't be. And everybody else in the AFC knows that too, by the way. Yeah, that, that's not a good situation. I thought that would have been addressed in the draft. Josh Palmer being your wide receiver three, a little bit of a concern. I, I wonder if this is a team that could potentially be in play for like OBJ, just like, hey, you want to stay in Los Angeles? Like, here, here's a job. Or like a Julio Jones or something like that. 
Um, that would be interesting to me. But defensively, so much got added, man. The defensive line depth is better. It's it's hard to be worse than it was I last year. The bar, the bar is the floor. But the defensive line is better. You got Joey Bosa on one edge. Oh, by the way, Cleo Mack on the other edge. Right. Yeah. Asante Samuel is going to take another step. You know, he was he was a rookie last year. He was good. He was good, but um, you just assume these guys are going to take a step. They added JC Jackson, Derwin James, healthy, quote unquote healthy. I like it. I really do, man. I I, I think this team. If they were in Buffalo's situation, we would be talking about them as like the one runaway favorite in the AFC too, because it's just the schedules that they're going to have to play, right? So like, I think this team is just as good as any other team in the league. So really, what I'm taking away from the first two teams here is that we just shouldn't bet on any teams in the AFC West <laughs> because these teams are so ridiculous. There's so much talent in the division. The win totals are so high. Like. The Broncos also at 10 wins, obviously add Russell Wilson. And this was a roster that already had a lot of talent last season. It was just the quarterback situation. You were like this team, if they had a competent quarterback, they would be a lot better. They would be a lot more competitive. And Russell Wilson is a much more than competent quarterback. So the Broncos, I'm curious to just see how it all plays out to see how Russell Wilson like finally plays away from Pete Carroll away from the Seattle Seahawks in a new situation. But I'm not saying it's Peyton Manning going to the Broncos vibes, but that's like kind of how I'm sitting with the wide receivers, at least with these guys like Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, uh, even KJ Hamler, like guys that you see the talent with their offensive weapons and they just haven't had a guy that can get them the football. So I'm just like, now they've got a guy that can get them the football. Like these guys can take off now and it's going to make the Broncos an exciting team. Yeah. I think the world of KJ Hamler, and I think this is a perfect quarterback for him. Somebody who's just going to uncork it, unleash it down the field, because that's what his specialty is just running by people. But this is about Russ and like if, you can't ignore all the other moves in the AFC West when talking about this. So yes, the Broncos upgraded at the most important position. There's no doubt about it. Nobody is arguing that, but did they do enough compared to the rest of the division compared to all the other AFC West teams or or AFC teams in general? And I don't know that they did, man. So again, seven and 10 last year with the caveat that they had some below average quarterback play. How well will Russ be in 2022? Like, how well will he play? Did people watch him play last year, too? Like, are they just going to reinvent the wheel? Like, we know what Russell Wilson is at this point. Like, we know how he plays the position. And I'm just not so sure he will be, like, the massive, massive upgrade compared, like, relatively speaking, compared to what's around him um, in the AFC West. So I'm going to go under here, man. I I think the Broncos are, are getting that Russ bump, but... Um, I don't think they win 10 games. I think under two. I think their defense is probably going to be worse. Um, their offense certainly is going to be better with Russell Wilson under center relative to, you know, Drew Locke. My big question is just like, how do these receivers match up? I know people bring up the receivers a lot as like a positive, but like look at the guys that Russ had around him and that the Seahawks actively try to put around him. Were they like, right. you know, catch and rhythm you know, open guys like Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. No, they were just deep shot guys because Russ yeah. is going to escape the pocket and there's going to be a scramble drill. Like th- this offensive staff is basically coming from Green Bay where they have Rodgers who will do everything in his power to keep a play alive in the pocket. 
right? And now you're going to Russell Wilson, who often escapes clean pockets, frankly. Um, maybe it's a size thing. Maybe it's not, whatever. But, like, I, I do think the addition of Billy Turner is going to help him. But I just don't see how this team matches up. Like, I'd like it a whole lot more if, like, Jerry Judy had broken out and been the number one wide receiver. And, you know, maybe Sutton or Patrick had fewer touches. But, like, if he was the guy, because he's the guy with speed. And I think that's what Russ needs the most. I mean, he's basically functionally, right? He's like an old-school run-and-shoot quarterback. Um, and that's not really what the Broncos offensive staff is bringing to the table. And that's not what the wide receivers bring to the table either. Is Jerry yeah. Judy good? I don't know yet. And that yes. that's one of my big issues because um, imagine like if, if he's, if he can't be the shot guy down the field, like what is he doing? Throwing 50, 50 balls to Cortland Sutton. Cause it's not like Sutton and Patrick are like massive separators. Well, and it's also like, Jerry Judy was, you know, this this huge breakout candidate last year. And then I think it was it was week one or week two as a high ankle sprain and winds up missing like half the season before he comes back. And, you know, those are tough injuries to come back from. So I agree with Justice. I I still just don't know. Like, I have faith that Jerry Judy can be really good in the NFL, but I I just feel like I haven't seen enough or he hasn't had enough of an opportunity to really prove that yet. So I hope he is. And. You know, the final team in the AFC West, the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, this was a team that, and they're set at eight and a half. This is a team that, when they looked really good last year, they looked like they could be a problem and, and they were really competitive. And it does feel like we at least can feel safe that, like, Derek Carr is a, has kind of changed that part of his game where he will take some more shots down the field now. Like he feels more comf- confident trying to, to break those big plays. And the way that they've improved, like, I, I do think that the, the Raiders and Broncos are probably closer than their win totals at, at 10 and eight and a half should be. And, you know, this is a division where it, it's so stacked. Every team can't win 10 games in this division. Like somebody's going to have to have a drop off. Somebody's going to have to, you know, lose a, a few one possession games that wind up being the difference maker. And I think there is a strong case that it's going to be the Broncos or the Raiders are going to be that team that's like it's just a coin flip who winds up being last in the division and it's last with eight wins. I think these teams are going to eat each other alive, man. And I think there's going to be a bunch of nine, tens. Um, like when you're talking about the Raiders, Devontae Adams is really freaking good too. And he is worth a win. Like I, I know a lot of people talk about like quarterbacks are only worth one, but – for what he's going to bring for them to that offense, you have to imagine Josh McDaniels has a billion plays already drawn up for him. And then just him and Waller, I know him, Waller, and whatever Renfro brings, like he's going to be a slide guy, sure. But I think that they're going to be able to make it work a lot better than other people think. I also think uh, Chandler Jones, like how, yeah, how is he guy? just like an afterthought? Yeah, like how is he an afterthought in addition? I'm, I'm going over here. I think the Raiders are going to be better than people believe. Um, they have a good quarterback, like having a good established quarterback. Uh, Chandler Jones, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. And it would have been nice for the Raiders to get a guy like Stephon Gilmore or Bradbury was a name that I would have loved to see them get. But, I mean, Jones, Crosby, uh, or Crosby, um, you have two established edge rushers. You have a quarterback who can get it done. You have a quarterback who can push the ball down the field. And you have a wide receiver who nobody in the NFL can guard and has proven that they could guard over the past, what, five, ten, like however long he's been in the league. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go over with the Raiders, and I think they're going to be a team. Um, 
like they they were they were close to being very good last year, and the additions that they made, I think, are going to put them over the hump this time around. You're going to have a real defensive coordinator, right? No more Gus Bradley, no more Gus Bus. Not a special teams I, coordinator calling plays either. Wow, slandering Basaccia, uh, <laughs> the great Packers legend. Um, I mean, how crazy it is is it that this team traded for Rockison? This team traded for Devontae Adams. This team signed Chandler Jones. And we're talking about it potentially pulling up the rear in the AFC West. Basically, amazing. It, it, whoever falls last in the AFC West spent a whole lot of money to be good and is probably not going to make the playoffs unless every single AFC West team makes it and no one else makes the wild card. That's the situation. Like, what a bummer would it be to, to, to give Devontae Adams that huge contract and then it's it's – you know, the cap hit's only going to go up if that's the situation that they're in. I, I want to stay away from this because I do see a situation where, like, maybe the Raiders are second in the AFC West behind the Chargers or something like that. And and the, the Broncos are the team that can't figure it out um, in terms of, like, year one offensive vibes. Because I don't think that's going to be an issue with the Raiders, even though the staff is turning over. Like, Gruden ran so much, and the Raiders went through so much last year. This year is going to feel like a piece of cake, right? Like, they're like, hey, we already had everything installed, and now we don't have all the off-field drama that, that's going to come around this. Like, I'm sure this is going to feel like a breath of fresh air for them. My whole question with the Raiders is, like, do they have enough talent on the defensive side of the ball? Because there's still a lot of, you know, uh, not quality starters, to put it in a nice way. Like, they do have Max Crosby. They do have Chandler Jones. But you look outside of that edge room, and it's like, ah, there's not that much out there. The one thing I will say that's great for him is like that car to Devonte connection should be automatic, right? It should be like Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase year one, where it's like these guys already know each other. They know how it works on scramble drills, all that stuff. Plus, again, they, they ran everything. So you're going to have car throwing to two unguardable guys, frankly, between Waller and Adams. That's who I think that they're going to be. I think they're going to be the Bengals of last year. And I'm not saying they're going to make the Super Bowl. I'm saying during the regular season, they're going to be the Bengals of last year where, like, think about who the Bengals had on defense last year. Like, it was Jesse Bates, which people remember. It was the dude, Trey, that, Trey Hendrickson. Hendrickson. Yep. <laughs> and then it was who else? Like, it was nobody else. So they DJ, have better DJ players Reader. Yeah. Um, than I just named because of Chandler Jones, because of Max Crosby. So I think that connection on offense between Waller, between Adams, and then Carr th- slinging the rock to those guys, I think they're going to be able to score so many points and put pressures on opposing offenses to do the same that they're going to come out on top. And I think it's there's a real chance that they finish second place in this division. Now I'm just thinking about Trent McDuffie trying to guard Devontae Adams. <laughs> and, and, like the world we live in where the Chiefs could be the worst team in the AFC West because the, it's the entire division is basically a toss-up. Like you wouldn't be shocked if any of these teams are the best team in the division. You wouldn't be shocked if any of these teams are the last team in the division because they're just all so talented. Like it, it's right. just a stupid, stupid division. It's insane. But uh, that is the AFC West projected win totals on NFL University. We appreciate you guys listening to this edition. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on Apple and Spotify. You can follow Justice on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can follow KP at KP underscore show. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. We will talk to you guys next week.